0: Well, good morning, and so glad that you are here. Uh, Welcome to Second Baptist Church this morning. Looking forward to uh, worshiping together and honoring the Lord together as we uh, sing and study His Word. If you're a guest, we'll say a special welcome to you. Thank you for being here. Uh, We would love to connect with you, and there's a couple different ways that we can do that. There's a card in the pew back in front of you, if you'd fill that card out, and at the end of service, you can leave that in the offering plate, or you can leave it in the the seat there in the pew, uh, either way is fine. Um, or you can go to our website, whether in person or if you've joined us online this morning, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Um, you can uh, go to our website sbcr.org and there's a button that says I'm new. You can fill that information out and it's a way for us to connect with you and know who's worshiping with us today, how we might be able to serve you and your family. I want to make you aware of a few things happening in our in our church and and as always, make sure to take note in your bulletin. There's several things that we try to list out and keep in front of you and, and make you aware of. Uh, one of the things I need to highlight for our uh, church members, our church family, um, we have our quarterly business meeting tonight at 5 o'clock, um, and so that will happen right here in the sanctuary. So I want to strongly encourage you uh, for all of our church membership to come back 5 o'clock tonight as we have our quarterly business meeting tonight. Um, Once that is completed at 6 o'clock, we will have our second uh, week of, uh, second session of Man Up. Uh, We missed last week, uh, and and so we're picking back up this week, and we will uh, go for the next uh, this week, and then four more sessions after that. So, men and young men want to invite you to come out, be a part of that. Even if you miss the first one, that's fine. Um, it, it'll still be a good time. Uh, so, enjoy, invite you to come tonight at six o'clock for Man Up. Uh, there's some other information there. We're looking toward Arba Day. Uh, um, a, a time to uh, do ministry in our community, and so uh, that'll take place on March 30th, and, and there's some other things that are happening coming up. I want to encourage you to take note of those things in your bulletin, all right? Uh, well, as, just pay attention to those things. We send those out in email on Thursday. so if you want to be a part of that, reach out to the office and make sure we have your email address, and you can get those uh, through the email on Thursdays. Um, we've been emphasizing the last several weeks um, the importance of not just coming and having church but meeting with the Lord and asking His presence to be among us, asking Him to, uh, to manifest Himself that we may uh, not just have church, if you will, but meet with God today. And so that's our heart and that's our prayer. And so Psalm 63, <clears throat> um, verses 1 and 2 says, O oh God, You are my God, early will I seek You. My soul thirsts for you, and my flesh longs for you, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. I really believe God has met with us in a unique way in the last few weeks particularly, and uh, man, it's been sweet. It's been, uh, it's been a blessing to be in the presence of God, and I believe that only happens When we earnestly seek Him, we're passionate and longing, wanting to meet with God. And so, uh, before we go any further into our service, I want us to have just a moment where we seek God together, where we pray and ask God to meet with us. And so, um, here's how that will work in just a moment. I'll just have, just call us to a moment of prayer. You're welcome to pray right where you are, you're also invited to. Come and you may just want to kneel here at the front and ask God and and even pray this back to God, saying, "God, we're we're seeking you today. We're asking you for your presence. We want to we want to meet with you today." Um, and so, just want to encourage you. Let us seek the Lord together this morning. So, if you will, if you'll just bow your head, close your eyes, right where you're at, and if you want to come and kneel. Here at the front, you're welcome and invited to do that. If you want to just kneel and pray right where you're at, that's just fine too. Just take a moment and and just pour your heart out to him and ask him that we would meet with him, that we would seek him, and that his presence would be known among his people. Lord, you are good and gracious and kind. And God in heaven, we thank you for how you bless us, how you love us and minister and care to us, uh, for us, God. Lord, I pray uh, that we would be earnest in seeking you, that we would be passionate in knowing you and, and, and just being in your presence, God. Lord, I pray that today would not just be another day, but today would be a day that we meet with you. That, God, you, you manifest yourself among your people. That, God, we would know as we leave today that we have, we have been in your presence. God, thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. God, I pray you would do today what brings you glory and honor. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing God So Loved. loves you and I. So many times we think about the world as this globe that we are currently living on. But when we look at that verse and the verse that Pastor Chris is going to preach from today, For God so loved you. For God so loved me. That's why we can go to the cross. That's why we can lay anything that we're experiencing in our lives of sin, whatever it is, down at the foot of the cross. And God will do a, a great work in our lives. Let's continue to sing. Glory to God. To God be the glory.
1: To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Who yielded his life and atonement for sin. i uh-huh.
0: To be honest this morning, I'm burdened. Um, I'm burdened that we've got so good at having church. And we we don't really know when or if when we're in the presence of God and when God has met with us and and I'm 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 right there of I'm guilty of that too. Of uh, and we check all the boxes and we go through all the behaviors. And then we just, you know, we go home and feel good. We went to church. We had church. We and not much regard for oftentimes thinking about if we really met with God today, and just burden this morning going i i'll be honest with you church i've got no desire none to just preach, give an invitation, pray, and go home without the presence of God and i I, I promise you i'm not i'm not this spiritual I know it sounds really spiritual and really'm I'm, I'm not trying to come across that way in any way just telling you i'm hungry i want to be hungry for the presence of god i genuinely believe there's some among us this morning you may not know how you got no clue how you may make it next week some of you facing and dealing with things that is way more than you can handle. And you're not sure what to do. And it's only the presence of God that can minister to you in the way that you need. Exodus talks about Moses getting in the presence of God. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the, tabernacle of the, at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. People saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door And all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. By the way, God would use Joshua in an incredible way. And listen, I I understand there, there may be some... And you guys are great Bible scholars. And you you know, I hear the wheels turning, that's Exodus, and that's Old Testament, and I, I hear all that. <clears throat> and, and I understand where you're coming from. But I also read through the book of Acts and I see the church meeting, and I see the presence of God among his people. And it's undeniable. And we've been talking lately, and there's a difference in the omnipresence of God. God is present everywhere all at one time. That is an undeniable reality of who God is. It's His nature. But you also cannot read the Scripture and see where there's at times a manifest presence of God where God does something among His people and He meets with His people in an incredible, unique way. I believe probably many of you, especially of you, Uh, been around very long, you've been in the services where you walked out and go, man, there was something different about that. And you've been in the services where you just didn't give another thought to it because it was just church. And I'm not talking about any of the activities of what we do other than just seeking the presence of God. And so here's what I want to do just just for a moment. Is just have an intentional, focused time asking God to meet with us. Longing for the presence of God. And I, I, I don't... I'll be honest with you I don't care if you stand I don't care if you sit I don't care if you kneel I don't care if you get on the altar but let's just pray and ask that God would meet with us and so if you would if you'll bow your head and close your eyes I'm going to ask Matt just to strum softly Um, and if you want to come to the altar you come If you want to, man, make an altar right where you're at and turn around and kneel in the pew, do that. If you feel led of the Lord to stand and and pray, you do that. Maybe there's sin in your life. Confess it. Ask God to forgive you of bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred. Maybe you've been guilty of gossip. Confess it. Maybe you've had a critical spirit lately. It's sin. Confess it. Maybe some of you don't know if you make it another day or another week. Beg for the presence of God this morning. Some of you are good and many feel comfortable, great right where you're at. There might be somebody sitting right next to you that doesn't know if they can make it another day. Will you beg that the presence of God will be here for their behalf? attitude of prayer. If you would say, Pastor Chris, I'm desperate. I want more of God today. Would you just raise your hand up? Say, Pastor Chris, I'm desperate. I want more of God today. I need more of God today. Not that I deserve it, not that I've earned it, but I need more of God today. God, you're good. And there is none like you. God, I pray that you'd forgive us of treating sacred things as casual. I pray, God, that we would be more hungry for you, for your presence, God, than anything else. God, we confess collectively. Together with one voice this morning. God, we need you. God, we ask for more of you. God, your presence, your spirit can do more in the blink of an eye. Than anything we could conjure up. If we were given a thousand days, God, you give sight to the blind, you heal all diseases, you set the captive free. You heal the broken-hearted. You love the down and out, the nobodies of the world. God, may we have more of you today. Ready our heart steadfast in Spirit. eyes to see, ears to hear, a mind to understand, a will to be obedient. God, would you grant us these? God in heaven, we pray that you would empty us totally and completely of ourselves. And you, Holy Spirit, would you fill us from the tips of our toes to the top of our head. Jesus, we love you, and we adore you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. to long and be hungry for the presence of God. If you have your Bible, would you turn to the Gospel of John? John chapter 3. We've been walking through this gospel. And in John chapter 3, there is a strong focus. I don't know, it, it, it may be the single greatest chapter addressing salvation in all of the Bible. And we have Nicodemus, a religious leader, a Pharisee. The ruler of the Pharisees, Jesus calls him, comes in the midst of the night to approach Jesus and ask him about salvation. And Jesus responds with the eloquent verse, the powerful, meaningful verse of uh, one must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus does not understand. He asks the question, how can a man who is old be born again? Must he enter into his mother's womb a second time? And Jesus responds, says, no, you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. And then Jesus has a strong word for him, how he is this religious leader, but he doesn't understand this. And, and Jesus gives him the word, says, we testify what we know to be true. And it's just this incredible dialogue back and forth of this teaching on salvation and then we get to John 3:16 the most well-known verse in the entire world no other verse has been translated into more languages than John 3:16 it is the gospel In a lot of ways, it is the summation. It is a wonderful picture of the story of the Bible. And so, for the next couple of weeks, we're just going to sit down in this verse. And there's no way we will mine all the truth and dig up all the truth that this verse has to teach, even though most of you, if not all of you, probably could quote it. And we've known it since we were small children. But there's so much truth, man, it has blessed my heart this week even to study this. To just see there's so much that I've missed through the years. And that's what happens, right? When something becomes very uh, commonplace to us, very regular, um, very well known. We just tend to miss some things. And so I want us to focus on John 3.16. So if you found John 3.16, will you stand with me in the honor of the reading of the Word of God. Let's do this this morning. We have it on the screen here in the New King James. We're going to collectively read this together, okay? So you can follow my lead as we go. And so let's read John 3.16 together. Ready? Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Jesus, you're good. We love and adore you. God, I pray you would bless the preaching of your word for your glory and for your name's sake. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you're taking notes this morning, the main idea of the text is this, the Father's love is the source of our salvation. The Father's love is the source of our salvation. I told you I'm going to preach the next few weeks on this, and we're going to take the fir- just the first part of John 3, for God so loved the world, and that's where we're going to camp out today. That's where we're going to pitch our tent and just study there, okay, as we get to Uh, The weeks ahead, we'll we'll dig into the other phrases. But the Father's love is a source of our salvation. And so then the question is this. Do you realize how much the Father loves you? Do you realize how much God loves you? Man, we tend to be so casual with it, right? We tend to be so commonplace that God loves you and we say it. Just just quickly and and all those sorts of things. But listen, friend, if if you can take anything away from today, my hope and prayer is that as we've been in the presence of God, as you leave today, you will be overwhelmed that God loves you anew and afresh. The Bible says here, for God so loved the world. There's three truths I want us to see from this part of our text this morning number one the father's love begins with himself the father's love begins with himself listen to look at the verse here for god for god remember jesus has been teaching on salvation he has been teaching a a a pharisee a ruler of the pharisees now the jews would not have been quick to say all that this verse says and so Jesus is being very careful here and the language that we have here is very careful is that for God, He is the one to initiate this. And oftentimes in church, we are guilty of portraying God the Father as being the the holy judge who carries out the righteous condemnation of all sinners, and then Jesus being the one that is loving and forgiving and coming in to, to, to provide the sacrifice. And it's as if we've almost painted a, a contrast of, uh, of condemnation and holiness and righteousness versus Jesus who is loving and forgiving. But I need you to see in the most well-known verse in the whole entire world that it starts with, for God. God initiated this. This Picture that we have some as if Jesus was in the beginning pacing back and forth the, the, the room of heaven trying to convince God the Father to let Him go and provide salvation. And in reality, that couldn't be further from the truth. Why? Because for God. It began with God the Father. He is the one that initiated our salvation. It is not us. It is not us trying to be appeasing and appealing to Him. And that's what provoked Him. It is not even Jesus, although He is an advocate, as we see in Hebrews, of our salvation. But it is in the sense that God is the one who sent. God is the one initiated. God is the one who loved. God the Father is the one that initiated this. And so His love begins with Himself. Romans 5.8 tells us, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see there that God the Father demonstrated his love for us? 2 Corinthians 5.19, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The Father is in the Son Jesus "...reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation." Ephesians 2, 4, and 7, "...but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus." that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. John 3.16, for God. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates. 2 Corinthians 5.19, that God was in Christ reconciling. Ephesians 2, four but God who is rich in mercy the love of god was initiated in himself it began with him him that god loves you god loves the world it's an incredible incredible picture of the gospel that we have in john 316 But it's not simply the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, the one that loves you. God the Father loves you. So, number one, the Father's love begins with Himself. Number two, the Father's love is rooted in His nature, it's rooted in His nature. Look at what it says, for God so loved, that he so loved. It doesn't say for God loved so that he, he gave, it, as if it's some sort of pushing himself outside his comfort zone or pushing him to do something beyond what he wanted to do but rather he gave, why? Because he loved. And why did he love? Because that is his nature. 1 John 4, 8-10 He who does not love does not know God. Look at this, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, That God has sent His only begotten Son in the world that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That the very nature of God is love. Now... Let me deal with the obvious that is sometimes presented in our culture. Is that somehow we have made it as if the love of God and the holiness and the righteous demand on sin and sinfulness are somehow in competition with one another. And that could not be further from the truth. Because the nature of God is love, then flowing from that is the obviously the, the, the offering, the only way to salvation through His Son Jesus. And yet at the same time is the holy righteous demand of the judgment against sin, because he was willing to sacrifice his own son to pour out the wrath of God on his son. It further demonstrates that he is so committed to salvation that in his nature, the love of God demands forgiveness or provides forgiveness, and yet at the same time demands a righteous judgment against sin. But we have a culture that tries to put those in polar opposition to one another. And even for some of you, probably cringing and me saying that God is love, as if there's some way that I'm not going to say that there is sin in an individual's life and we must repent and place our faith and trust in Christ. Our culture has indoctrinated us to say and to try to convince us that we can't say God is love and still stand firm against sin because God is love. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. Our culture has indoctrinated us instead of the Word of God teaching us. A lot of com- controversy over the Super Bowl ad. He gets us. And listen, and it, there's a lot of times that there's these testimonies of, well, it did this and it did that and all these sorts of things. And I mean that the ends cannot justify the means, and I, I don't know what the motivation is behind their message. I don't know the individuals who wrote it and all those sorts of things. Obviously, when you watch it, it seems to indicate that Jesus is OK with sinful behavior or sinful lifestyle. And if that's the message they're looking to portray, then that is wrong. It's unbiblical, it's not true. But dear friend, we have to hold in balance that God is love. He is. And His holiness demanded a righteous judgment upon sin that He provided through His Son, Jesus. And dear friend, there's more to salvation than God getting us. God sent His Son to save us and change us. Jesus, God is not interested in behavior modification. He is interested in life transformation. And so, for God so loved, it's His nature... Exodus 34, 6 and 7. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord... The Lord God, then he describes this nature of God and everything about it screams love. He is merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the uh, the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. The very nature of God is love. First John would go further in chapter four and verse sixteen, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. The father's love begins with himself for God. he's the one that initiated. He didn't have to be talked into anything. He didn't have to have his arm twisted. He didn't have to be convinced in anything. God initiated. It began with him. And then the Father's love is rooted in his nature. That it doesn't say, for God loves, so he did this, as if it's motivated or pushed or trying to convince, but it's rooted in the nature of who he is. And then number three, the Father's love is for everyone. Every person. Notice what it says For God so loved the world. The world. Pastor Jonathan alluded alluded to it earlier, that the way that God loves the world is He loves each. See, oftentimes when you and I talk about collective groups and how we love them, we oftentimes are describing the group and not necessarily individuals. For those of you that... That are far from the Lord and your Cardinals fans. When you talk about, I'm, I'm just kidding, okay? All right, uh, everybody, okay? We can laugh a little. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when you talk about you love the Cardinals, it is quite likely that there's probably an individual player or two, or manager, or somebody that you don't necessarily you don't you know you're talking about the collective group. We talk about loving a place or a people. We oftentimes are talking about the massive, the collective group. But I read one commentator that described it this way. Imagine uh, the, 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 the skyline with the sunset that is uh, in, the, in the, the background. And there along the skyline you have individuals, the silhouette of, of individuals, and the, the the black dots that's represented there, the individuals that are listed or represented along that skyline, that look, that God loves each and every individual. When God says, and the word of God says, He so loved the world, that he's not just talking about collectively, but he is talking about individually, in particular, that's what the word means in the Greek. And so then what does that mean for us? That Jesus, or excuse me, that God didn't just love those who would come to a saving relationship, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God didn't just love those that would get it right and then follow Him. God loved each and every single individual, even Romans 5 8, when you were dead in your trespasses, when you were far from Him, while you were still a sinner. God loved you. And there is this ungodly, wicked teaching out there that suggests that John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, that the world only means the righteous redeemed that would be saved, because that's all that he loved. And that could not be further from the truth. It is unbiblical, it is unscriptural, and to teach that, there's a Greek word for it, it's called hogwash, or baloney. Baloney depending on which dialect you are. For God so loved the world. There is no way to get around it. There is no way. There is no sense. I had somebody tell me one time, I preached from uh, Romans chapter 9, an individual came up to me and I talked about Romans 9 and Second Peter 3, 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He came up to me and afterwards and said, well, it doesn't really mean everybody. Really? He said, yeah, he said, it's more like having a group of individuals over in a group here separate off from themselves along from the masses. And he's just talking about all of those over there. I said, man, you have to do a lot of word study gymnastics to try to get to that. And it's just not there. There has never been a man or woman, boy or girl that God has not loved. Ever. It does not matter where they were born. It does not matter the pigment of their skin. It does not matter how much money they come from. It does not matter, the listen to me, it does not matter the lifestyle in which they would live. It does not hinder the love of God. The Bible says very clearly, for God so loved the world. Now hear me clearly. It does not mean He is okay with the sinful choices that you and I have made. The nature of God allows God, to love every man, woman, boy, and girl. Every dope boy, every prostitute, every transgender, every alcoholic, every womanizer, every, you name it, fill in the blank, every person who's ever gossiped, every person who's ever had a critical spirit, every backbiting individual, God has loved, yet looked at them and go, we, I want them to have life change. I want them to be different. I came to save them. That's what John, John 3.16 is communicating. That God so loved the world. 1 John 2.2 2 says, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but look at this, but also for the whole world. Does that mean the whole world is going to be saved? No. But Jesus died for the sake of the whole world. Period. Period. John 1.29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Second Peter 3, 9, I gave this to you a minute ago. The Lord is not slight concerning his promises. Some men count slightness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Does that mean all are going to come to repentance? No. Jesus was asked, will there be many who are saved? And he said, there will be few who are saved. But the love of God still extends to every human being. And so must the love of a believer. The Bible says, how can you say you love God whom you have not seen and hate your brother whom you have seen? It goes on to say the truth is not in that individual." So the Father's love is for everyone. Augustine said it this way, God loves each one of us as if there was only one of us to love. That all of the love of God is directed toward you individually. And the love of God is directed toward every single individual for all of human history. But he loves you individually. He doesn't just love you as a collective group. He doesn't just, you're you're part of the receiving or the the acceptance of his love because you're part of the big mass of the group. No, God loves you individually right where you're at today. And he loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for you because he knows you and I both need life transformation. It moved him to action in the giving of his son, the sacrificing of his son. And so I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're struggling with this morning. I don't know what it is that you face. But you may have come in this morning struggling, maybe with salvation, knowing whether you've Uh, become a Christian, knowing whether this is uh, what you've experienced. But dear friend, can I encourage you this way? God loves you. And he wants to save you. And Christians, we need to be the fragrance of Christ to a lost and dying world. And we need to figure out how to love folks. I was talking to a guy that yesterday, a friend of mine, after I went and had a chance to share with some pastors, he, he was a youth pastor here locally for many years. He was telling me that he had a young man that was Seemed to be homosexual. And he had a man in his church come to him and ask him, ask the youth pastor, what he was going to do about this boy. He said, What do you mean? He said, Well, he's homosexual. He said, Well, he might be, but he has not told anybody that. He said, well, what are you going to do about it? He said, well, I can tell you what I'm not going to do. He said, number one, he said, I'm, I'm going to continue on preaching and teaching the way that I always have. I'm going to try to be led by the Spirit and preach what God tells me to preach. And that means I'm not just going to go single out one sin over the rest of our sins. He said, yet at the same time, I'm not going to shy away when God tells me to preach on things. I'm going to be faithful to preach the word of God. He said, but I'm not going to change to just go after one individual or one type of sin that's among our church, our youth group, or whatever it is. He said, the other thing I'm not going to do is I'm not going to stop loving him. Because the greatest place for him to be is among God's people. In the church, where he'll hear the message of God, and he'll hear that God loves him and wants to change him, just like He does the drug addict, the alcoholic, the the, the gossip, the backbiter. See, folks, what we've got to understand is God really does hate all sin. All sin, all sin, demanded a righteous payment upon the cross. In his son Jesus you remember Paul talked about such were some of you lest we forget that you and I maybe you didn't struggle with some of the sins that seem to be promoted in our community in our culture in our our context of today lest we forget we may not been quote guilty of some of those things But you and I, apart from Jesus, stand condemned. But thanks be to God, for God so loved the world. And that He loved you. And He loves me. And so I don't know what you struggle with. I don't know what you're facing today. But you need to unequivocally hear that God loves you, and he wants to save you. And for those of us that are believers, God loves you, and he loves a lost and dying world, no matter what they look like, no matter what they do, no matter how they act, no matter how they treat us or you, God loves them. And then the third aspect of that, God loves the individual that's in the pew next to you. And we need to grow and get better at loving one another and reflecting the love and mercy of God. And let God use us to bring others to himself that he might do life transformation that he might take a dead person to life the way that he did in my life in the way he did in your life because dear friend i stand before you today as a living testimony of what god can do with an individual if you'll surrender your heart and life to him because i'm convinced of this if god can save me and change me the way that he did There's not a single person that God can't save and God can't change. Let's pray. Precious Jesus, we love and adore you. We thank you for your grace and mercy. And God, I pray that in the next few moments we'd be obedient to you. And God, I pray that all that we say and do would bring honor and glory to your name. Lord, I pray for the individual that's lost without You. God, I pray that You would save them. God, I pray they'd repent and place their faith and trust in You. God, I pray for those of us that are believers, God, that we we guard against any spirit of judgmentalness, criticism. Lord, help us Help us to repent of those things and trust you to do what only you can. I'm going to encourage you to remain in the attitude of prayer. If you need to repent, place your faith and trust in Christ, I would encourage you to do that now. You just call out on Him for salvation. Maybe you're a believer. You know that you know that you've surrendered your heart and life to Jesus. Maybe you've just, man, you felt distant from God lately. You've questioned a lot of things about God. And you just, just soak in the truth that God loves you. Maybe you're struggling with some things. Man, now's the time to take those things to him and ask him to do in your heart and in your life what only he can. Maybe there's some folks struggling with some things in your life that that you know they need salvation. Man, pour your heart out today and ask God to save them. Maybe just pray that God will help us to love one another well and honor Him. I'm going to pray in just a moment. When I finish praying, the invitation is open. You just come get on this altar and ask God to move in our heart and move in our life. You say, Pastor Chris, I need to be saved today. Then come. When I say amen, you come. Say, Pastor Chris, I I need to be saved. Let's talk. You need somebody to pray with you, pray over you. I'd love to do that. There's others here who'd love to do that. And God loves you. Let's respond to him. Jesus, thank you for this moment. Thank you for the opportunity. God, I pray we would not rush from your presence this morning. God, I pray that that truth that that you so love the world would just resonate and saturate us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. God spoke to your heart this morning. You come. You so much for being here and and uh, man just thank God for you uh, some of our men are going to begin to take the place so we can receive offering as we leave today um, I just want to say to you I, I love you it's a privilege to uh, to serve as your pastor it's a privilege to um, to just get to serve the Lord and I thank God for you I thank God for the opportunity um, and and certainly don't take it for granted or take it light-heartedly um, as we leave today an opportunity to give and just want to say thank you for your faithfulness to give. Um, you, you, when you give, um, to your church, um, you invest in ministry and you invest in lives in a way that you, you just won't ever know. There's no way for you to know, no way for any of us to know the full impact that it makes this side of heaven. And so, uh, just know that, that you're uh, faithfulness to give is is helping advance the kingdom of god and so grateful for that uh, let me remind you those of you church members uh, five o'clock tonight for our family business meeting our quarterly meeting so please 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 make it a, a point of emphasis to be here tonight um, and and uh, uh, for the quarterly business meeting and then man up six o'clock tonight uh, we'll resume our study that'll be in the fellowship hall business meeting will happen here uh, men up will happen 6 o'clock um, there, so any men or young men invited to come back tonight. Um, this will be the, the second session, and we'll have six total, so there's four more after tonight. and It'll happen each Sunday night um, going forward, so I just want to make mention of that to you. All right, well, let's stand together. We're going to pray and be dismissed. Thank you for being here. Hope to see you tonight. Uh, let, me, let me pray for us. Jesus, you're good. We love and adore you. God, thank you so much for the faithfulness of those that give, and and, uh, God, just use that. Uh, Lord, help us, lead us all to greater obedience. Help us to honor you in all that we say and do. Lord Jesus, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for all things. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.